Seu! Seu! Pumas! Seu! Seu! Pumas! Me! Me! Chivas! Me! Me! Chivas! Live and underway here on ESPN alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us for episode 324, where, among other things, we are celebrating some new chants, Herc, out of Liga Mekis. Shameless, shameless, shameless. I don't know who's more shameless, you for celebrating that or production for putting that together. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I didn't celebrate anything. I didn't celebrate anything. Producer Ben My mother, in my who ear. went to Nam, is screaming, Go, yeah, Go, Americas. The real chance. All right, coming up on this edition of the show, we got Marco Fabian, of course, uh, played in a couple World Cups for Mexico. Now he's in the MASL. That's right, playing indoor right there in California. He's going to join us in studio. Also joining us tonight, Jose Bautista. You know him as Joey Bats from his baseball playing days, uh, 15 years in the bigs, and now he's the owner of USL's Las Vegas Lights. Unfortunately, Herc, we also have to talk about Inter-Miami, uh, and this time they got shellacked out in Saudi Arabia. That coming up a little bit later in Football Americas. But let's start with some winners and losers out of the transfer window, which actually just wrapped up in most places, certainly in Europe, just a few short hours ago. Our first winner, none other than the guy that we've been talking about nonstop on this show for what feels like months, uh, and that's Gio Reyna, who finally completed his loan move from Borussia Dortmund to Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. Uh, this going down on Wednesday. As part of all this, Forest will not have a permanent buy option, uh, but Reyna will extend his contract with Dortmund through 2026. 21-year-old U.S. international moves to the league where his father Claudio played and to the country where he was born. Here's Reyna at his presentation. So you've played in the Bundesliga, you've played in the Champions League. Now, how excited are you to be uh, on the verge of making your Premier League debut? Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. It's the best league in the world. It's, you know, the most entertaining, the most watched. And, uh, yeah, I've watched this league since I can remember. So, um, yeah, I'm just so happy to get started with this team and, uh, yeah, hope this team win, uh, win games and be successful. Now, how would you describe yourself as a player and what can fans expect to see from you? Um, I think what I would say is, you know, I think going forward, I like to to be around the goal, around the the danger area, creating assists, creating goals. Um, yeah, just creating opportunities for the team to score and be successful going forward. And uh, yeah, pride myself on being able to be being able to do a bit of of everything going forward. So um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to help the team and show my quality. All right, Herc, you and production had this down as a winner. Why are you so confident in Gio Reyna's move to Nottingham Forest? Well, added down a winner because of the options presented to Gio Reyna, which were Sevilla, Marseille, or uh, what was the other one? Stay at Dortmund, where he wasn't playing. Mm. Listen, this is a win-win for Giovanni Reyna. Uh, not only is it only a loan, it, that's four months, by the way, uh, to Nottingham Forest. So worst case scenario for Gio Reyna, he doesn't play. It doesn't go well. He goes back to where he wasn't playing, and it wasn't go well. Uh, but he inked there. And let me tell you why he inked. In case the best-case scenario happens, a scenario where in these four months, Gio Reyna does well on a great platform like the English Premier League with a coach who's known for making household names out of some players maybe you've not heard about. And then all of a sudden, 
they can command a higher transfer fee because they just inked them. It's a win-win. He doesn't play, he goes back to where he didn't play. He plays and does well, he goes and plays and does well elsewhere. It's a win-win. Yeah. I don't know about not playing and going back as being a win. I see some red flags here. I think I made that clear the first time we talked about Nottingham Force. One, I just, I don't see the straight pathway to playing time as easy as I think a lot of people do. There's basically three positions there he can play and two of them are locked down. You're not moving Morgan Gibbs-White, who we talked about in the last show. I said if he moves, Why well, bring him what? in then? Not, not only did he not move Morgan Gibbs-White, he's fit now, he's the captain, so you're definitely not moving that player. You're not moving Alonga out on the right wing. He's got a goal assist every other game. You're producing like that at the bottom of the Premier Why League. You're not in, getting Seth? moved. So there's one spot where he's competing with a guy who's got 12 starts and an England international in Callum Hudson-Odoi. So, I mean, if you want to see him start... I don't know that this is a win. If you want to see him play more than Dortmund, I might give you a win, Hurt. Seb, he's but not playing at all. He's not showcasing himself at all at Dortmund. He's not getting a sniff. He's not seeing the field. The coach doesn't want him. They, they want to sell him. Mm -hmm. Why bring him in if you're nine and four? If you're Nuno Spiritu Santo, the coach, why bring him in if you plan on not using him? He played 34 minutes in his last game. So to say that he's not getting used at all at Dortmund is a little bit off. He, okay, he played how many minutes has he played this year? How many game? minutes has he played this year, Seb? Uh, 300 and something. He played it's more not when he was 16. He's played more than 16. Careful. What I'm trying Fair to say point. is a team right now that's in a relegation battle, because that's what Nottingham mm -hmm. Forest is in, mm -hmm. isn't going to bring somebody in to develop them. Isn't going to bring somebody in for the future. They bring him in because they think he can help them now. Yes? Yeah, I think they obviously only bring him in to help him now because there's no buy option. And that, to me, is the other big concern here. On a big picture, right, if I'm thinking about Gio Reyna's perspective, I want clubs that are genuinely interested in him, not just for three or four months, but... For the long term, don't you want him going to a place that has a vision for him? That's clearly not the place, with, not the case here with Nottingham Forest, and it's certainly not that's, the case with any of the other that's teams. That's not the case with Borussia Dortmund. We heard there was like ten teams interested they want in him. To sell not him. one was willing to pay fifteen million euros. Not one was willing to take out at least a loan option. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about Gio Reyna's stock right now? I feel honestly, you answered your like own he question, got, Seb. He got you answered your own Herc. question. He got stashed, Turk at the only club where his agent literally manipulates the club. He's the his he's agent, the, he's the agent of the coach. Club. His yeah, agent but very has more than one club. Is there, is there another club that he manipulates like this? He's in bed with the owner and with the coach, Herc. So basically he Wolver got stashed Hampton. at the at the agent's club. He got stashed Seth, at the agent's agent club. Has this, multiple clubs, this tells me there's the not reason, much interest in Gio. That's the reason, Seb, that's the reason why he went with Georgie Mendes. Because it's an agent with multiple connections in crazy places. Now, if you're telling me Nineham Forest, a team that's in a relegation battle, mm -hmm. is going to bring in a kid to just sit in there, stash him, I don't buy it. If you're so convinced he won't well, This is not a Nottingham Forest move. If this was a Nottingham Forest move, they'd be bringing him in with an option to buy. They'd be bringing him in with an option to buy. This is a Who George Mendes move. Who signed this is a George Mendes move. Who uh, signed him? signed him to a contract George extension. George Mendes signed him. It's Nottingham. Look. You can talk about manipulation. This happens in every single team around the world, okay? Every single team. They've got their agents. They've got their players. They've got their men who, who are people who make these things happen. I don't buy that he's not mm -hmm. going to see zero time. I don't buy that this kid is just being stashed. And if he's just being stashed, if he's being mm -hmm. stashed, it's the worst kept secret in the world. If this happens, Seb, if this happens, it'll blow up in their face. Now, as far, Let me as, ask you this. as far as why it's a win-win compared to the others that we spoke about, last, or last week we did this about 
Sevilla. You don't want to go mm -hmm. there. It's a dumpster fire. They're probably going to get relegated. Marseille. Julian Laurent was on here talking about the fans, the violence, and what can happen to him if he goes there. This was his only out. So if he parlays this into something, it's a win because it wasn't happening at Dortmund. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Forrest is worse than Dortmund. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there should have been a place that wanted him more than just taking him for three months in a relegation scrap because their coach owes a favor to his agent. That's with, what with I'm all, saying. With all this 21-year-old superstar talent of American soccer, I would like to see more interest in him than just getting Based stashed off somewhere. Based off what? He's been productive when he plays at Dortmund. We see him play with the national team. How much does team. he play at People Dortmund? People don't have the tape of that. Hold on. Hold on. You had Julian Laurent here talking about what mm -hmm. happened in Qatar, talking about people talk. All I'm saying is the Gio Reyna stock is high to us because we see him. We mm -hmm. see him when he comes to the national team. We pay attention when he's at Borussia Dortmund. But he's yes. no longer a 16-year-old. He's 21 years of age. Okay. So I will ask you, based on what would you like to see these astronomical transfer fees or these teams lining up to sign Gio Reyna? Look, bottom line, I want to see him in a place where he's going to get confidence ahead of Copa America, right? That's the most important thing to the U.S. national team. I don't see obvious minutes here for him right away in like a starting role, and it's a relegation battle. Do you think that's a place he's going to get confidence for the summer? Well, you spoke about confidence. I've not seen him that confident like in that promo in quite some time since he was a kid. I'm, and if you tell me you've seen him like that in Dortmund recently, let me know because I have not. All right, so there we have it. Uh, Gio Reyna, big winner, according to Hercules Gomez, as he gets a, a four-month move I mean, to I the didn't Premier make the League segment. and you Nottingham Forest. You the producer Forest. made the segment. Put words in my mouth. of Nottingham Forest, uh, let's go to a winner. Oh, no, a loser. That's U.S. Men's National Team goalkeepers. There's a lot here. Uh, one is Ethan Horvath, who actually just got a deadline day deal done with Cardiff City in the championship. So he's leaving Nottingham Forest. I think that's that's not a loan. That's a permanent deal. Uh, Matt Turner didn't get a move, though he saw Forrest bring in another goalie, Matt Sells from Strasbourg in France, uh, all while he was, as you just saw there, beaten at the near post through the legs as Forrest lost to Arsenal midweek. And then, as you saw Zach Steffen, it's been a couple weeks, but uh, he did make the move back to Major League Soccer Colorado Rapids from Manchester City. Herc, as we have discussed often, and I think as was made very clear in this winter transfer window, it is dark, dark times in the U.S. goalkeeping pool. Yeah, but can I be honest? This, to me, has to be segmented because the losers, mm. all three goalkeepers, I, I'm not buying. And I'll start... I'll start, if you want, with Ethan Horvat. Ethan Horvat's level, I think, is championship. And he was in a Premier League team where he was the third-choice goalkeeper. And in comes a new goalkeeper, so now he's the fourth-choice goalkeeper. It's a goalkeeper who's shown a good level at the championship, who's shown good moments to use that championship level to get on the U.S. men's national team. And he finally gets to go somewhere where he's going to play and he's wanted and needed. Mm. I think this is a win for Ethan Horvat. So I will put him away from this loser. And then Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen's going to be 29. Goalkeeper who wasn't playing, coming off an injury, who was Greg Verhalter's man, like literally Greg Verhalter's guy, and wasn't good enough in Greg Verhalter's mind to be rostered as one of the three goalkeepers in a World Cup when he saw this kid from his infancy. And now you have a player who's coming off an injury who saw what the Premier League was like sitting behind uh, in Manchester City, goes to Middlesbrough, has some good moments, and then gets injured and thinks, at this age, what I need to do is play. And if playing at the Colorado Rapids gets me back anywhere near the national team picture, that's what I got to do. So I will separate these two. Matt Turner, on the other hand, that's a different story. 
You're the U.S. Men's National Team number one right now, clear number one. I think he's proven that with the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, at the World Cup, regardless of how he got there and the decision Greg Berhalter made, he set records, U.S. Men's National Team records. He was very good, and he's been good in key moments for the U.S. Men's National Team. You said it, Casey said it, to an extent, he said it as well. He needs to be somewhere where he's playing. He was in a situation with Steve Cooper when Steve Cooper was there, where he was in and out of that starting role. Nuno Spiritu Santo gets there, who's now his coach, and he goes and purchases another goalkeeper. Now, mm. any other time I'd be like, all right, he needs to prove himself. But when the coach happened to be a goalkeeper in his previous life, in his playing career, says, mm. you're not my goalkeeper, that is bad news. And they just signed a goalkeeper right now. This is terrible news for Matt Turner and terrible news if you're a U.S. Men's National Team fan. I'm glad you divided these up because I actually think you could make the case that both Ethan Horvath and Zach Steffen are winners this transfer window just because of what happened to Matt Turner, right? Because he right. is the incumbent and the number one, and when his job is in jeopardy, and it most certainly now is, that opens the door for guys who, hello, are playing, which I think Ethan Horvath and, and Zach Steffen are certainly going to do more of, at least in the short term. As far as Matt Turner is concerned, obviously them bringing in another guy, it's an indictment. This goal that he gives up, I mean, just could not have come at a worse time, right? Maybe one last chance to tell Nuno, hey, I can be your guy. And this is now kind of a disturbing pattern because this isn't the first job he's lost, right? He loses the number one job under Nuno. He lost it under Steve Cooper, though he did get it back. And if you go back to his days at Arsenal, Herc, he had the number two job there and lost it in the Europa League. So this is a guy now who has had three different managers give him a Premier League job, whether it was a number one job or a number two. And that's three different managers that have said, you know what? You're not good enough for that job. And that to me is worrisome, primarily for Matt Turner's confidence, because right now, Herc, we're looking at a situation where let's say Matt Sells is what he's advertised to be. He comes in and he's the number one. There's a chance Matt Turner might not play for the rest of this season heading into Copa America. And if that's the case, Herc, you say he's the unquestioned number one. I got to ask you something I've asked you plenty of times before. How strong truly is that stranglehold? Because if he doesn't play, can he really maintain that spot? Yeah. Listen, that's up to him. You spoke about mentality. I mean, Zach Steffen lost it, and he was the coach's guy. So I don't know how strong that the number one position is with Matt Turner right now. It's especially with goalkeepers, all about confidence. When I study this and I thought about why production put him as the losers, the U.S. Men's National Team goalkeepers, I can't think of an era in my lifetime where there were no Premier League starting goalkeepers for the U.S. Men's National Team. Hmm. No first choice, first team goalkeepers for the U.S. Men's National Team. So I'll give production that. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's been a while since the, uh, the U.S. goalkeeping pool was at, uh, at such a low point. All right, let's get to a high point, a winner. Although maybe there's some uh, discussion to be had here on Jorge Sanchez, the 26-year-old Mexican right back uh, at Porto on loan from Ajax. He's staying in Europe despite talk of a Liga MX return. He'd been heavily linked. In fact, the deal seemed to almost be done, the Cruz Azul. But in the end, Porto is the party that nixes the deal. Apparently, Ajax and Cruz Azul had agreed terms. So, Herc, what do you make of this? Do you agree? Jorge Sanchez, a winner for staying in Europe? You know me too well. I don't think this is a win at all. 
Uh, mm. The guys started five games across all competitions, just a little over 500 minutes played. For Porto, a team that he's loaned to, uh, he wants to leave. Ajax want to get rid of his contract. They come to terms, both Ajax and Jorge Sanchez, with Cruz Azul. It's a guy who tried his hand in Europe. It didn't work out. He wants to play because he thinks if he plays, he'll be sharper, he'll be better, he can get on the national team and stay on the national team in that right-back role where Kevin Alvarez, where Julian Araujo are firmly behind him. He feels he needs to play. And it's Porto who's nixing this deal. And, and it's, mm. they're not only nixing this deal. It'd be one thing to say, no, we want you to play. That's why you're not here. But they're nixing it to have him not play. So I don't think this is a win at all. I think for him, this is a massive, massive loss. Hmm. There's obviously more playing time at Cruz Azul. And in a direct way, that probably helps your stock for a very competitive right-back spot uh, with the national team. So I understand that. But Herc, that move to Cruz Azul, I feel like that'll be there forever for Jorge Sanchez. When you leave Europe, bro, it's over. The European odyssey has ended. Right now, you can say what you want about Porto. They feel like they might have a need for him. They got a league title chase that they're in. They got a cup that they're trying to win, a domestic cup. And they're still in the Champions League knockout rounds. So a Champions League knockout round team is saying, hey, we might have a role for you. One injury, two injuries. There might be important playing time here for Jorge Sanchez in Europe this season in big competitions. And when we criticize, and you especially, when you kill a guy like Gerardo Arteaga, and I'm defending him, saying, hey, no, he did try to do his thing over in Europe, and now you're switching tunes and saying, no, it's okay for Jorge Sanchez no, to want to No, I'm switching tunes. Which one is it? There are so few Arteaga's Mexicans playing. in Europe, the, the guys who are there need to stay as long as humanly possible. And we got to applaud them when they do. Yeah, you can try. You can try. But the kids played since early December 11 minutes. That's what he's played since early December for Porto. So you can sit here and tell me that he was playing. You can sit here and tell me that he's got a future. But there are a lot of fans that don't think he has a future in Europe. There are a lot of fans that just think he's not of that level. So if he himself is recognizing that he's not of that level and needs to play to stay on the national team, needs to play to go to a Copa America, needs to play to go to a World Cup, if that player is recognizing this, then you got to let him try to do it. Now, they may need him as an insurance policy, but I'll be damned as a player if I want to be an insurance policy, if there's a World mm. Cup on the line. I'll be damned if it's a club that's not even my club that's keeping me from going elsewhere. Ajax want to get rid of him, and he wants to get rid of Ajax, and it made sense. You say Cruz Azul will be there forever? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Not at that rate. It's out of sight, out of mind. Where you got him in your right back depth chart right now? For Jimmy Lozano, number one. He is number one for Jimmy Lozano. You think he loses that if he doesn't play this semester in Porto? I think it's very difficult to keep the likes of Kevin Alvarez and Julian Araujo, who are playing, mm. um, off your heels if you're not playing. All right, I see Jorge Sanchez staying as a winner. Herc sees it as a loser. I think we're going to agree on this next one. A loser, and it's not a single player, it's the entirety of Liga Mekis who outside of one minor sale, uh, which I believe was from Cruz Azul to a Russian club, is that correct? Krasnodar? Uh, there were zero significant Liga Mekis exports to Europe this transfer window, which is disappointing, especially when you compare it to what Major League Soccer is doing. Herc, what do you think? Is this uh, more evidence that Liga Mekis is falling behind? Not necessarily. I just don't think it's their model. You look at Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer is trying to change their ways, change their stripes, and they're trying to be a selling league. They're trying to mm -hmm. be, you know, come in young and we'll give you the platform to go away. Well, 
Liga MX Mexican football has always been kind of a destination league for secondary talent. Now, let me explain that. Uh, you can get players young um, the way that Major League Soccer does, and, and you bring those players in and see if they can pan out. Or you get them when they've not necessarily had that great of an outing in Europe. The players that go off early in, in South America, in Europe, and will give you a way to come back this way, and it's good pay, it's good competitive mm -hmm. football, it's a destination league. It's a league that players come to because of the money. It's not necessarily a league that exports. They have no need to export. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't really make too much of this. I understand where we're going here, uh, but it, it's not their model. Yeah. I mean, when you see more traffic going Europe back to Liga Mekis than Liga Mekis to Europe, and you start to think about it, as we often talk about on this show, from a Mexican national team standpoint, that's when I, I think you start to worry. I also think even though you say it's not the model, and you're 100% correct, historically, that is true. Remember what happened after the historically bad World Cup. We didn't just hear, oh, there's gonna be changes. The owners got together made a proposal, called their consultants, called their lawyers, Poor did Mexican a whole players. thing. And we thought, okay, we're gonna see some exports now. Well, think think about, we've had three windows, Herc, since the World Cup. I mean, what what's the big move? Luis Chavez uh, having to like fake buy himself into the yeah. Russian league? That's that's the big change. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm sorry, I gotta call out a team like Santos. No, your former team, Grupo Orlegi. Uh, who are known for, for producing great talent, which not a lot of teams in Liga Mekis are doing right now. They deserve credit. But they got a guy like Omar Campos. Uh, they have a team in Spain. And by the way, Omar Campos at one point was linked to Barcelona. There was a report that there was an actual tangible loan offer, pathetic as it was reportedly to be, for this kid from Barcelona. There was, there was European interest. And they sold him to LAFC. It's not that Liga Mekis can't sell her. They sell to MLS, they sell to Brazil, they sell. They're just not selling to Europe, and that's going to happen. Why is that? And it's going to continue to have devastating consequences for the national They're team. not selling cheap, and we're, you got to divide this because nobody's talking about the national team because if you're only talking about the national team, that means you're talking about Mexican mm -hmm. exports. This is no European exports from Liga Mekis. That means Brian Rodriguez, who's not Mexican. That means uh, all these other players who are not mm -hmm. of Mexican descent that can represent the Mexican national team. I'm not sitting here trying to argue with you, and, and producer Beto, rightfully so, whispered in our ear, that was part of the initiatives that the own federation put out not too long ago. And Santos, yeah. who I may remind you is the feeder team for America, they actually exported like five of those young players out to Europe. Here's the problem. About three of them already came back, and it's not even been a year. That is a problem. At some point, we got to stop blaming the ownership. At some point, we got to stop blaming the man. And what about these players? Because nobody is forcing Omar Campos to sign with LAFC. Nobody is telling him, give up your European dream right now and go to Los Angeles. There's somebody in his ear that's maybe telling him this is a better pathway. That could be it but nobody's making him do anything. The players sometimes are to blame as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of our winter transfer window wish list special. And you were thinking guys like Chiquito Sanchez, might yeah. we get a move? You see a lot of links, but at the end of the day, man, these guys are staying in Mexico. They're just not moving. After the World Cup, Uriel Antuna supposedly had a uh, offer, I think it was from Greece. Yes. Cruz Azul said, Cruz no Cruz thanks, said no. you know? Yeah. There you have it. All right, let's uh, get to some other notable moves here from on or around Decision Day. How about this Duncan McGuire story? He's on a plane going to Blackburn, as reported by Tom Bogart at The Athletic. And then the deal falls through, so he goes to Sheffield Wednesday. And then finally that falls through, he goes back to Blackburn. So everything that uh, ends well 
is all well for Duncan McGuire as he makes the move from Orlando City. Gerardo Arteaga, we told you about that, coming back from Genk to Rayados. Johnny Cardozo making the move from Brazil to Real Betis, where he's already started a couple games. And how about this? Paxton Aronson on loan from Eintracht Frankfurt to Vitesse in the Eredivisie, who are right now last in the Dutch top flight. And a reminder, Bundesliga is available for you on ESPN+. Plus. Big game on Saturday, Bayern Munich against Borussia Mönchengladbach. So that's Joe Scally, Jordan Pifok, and the ghosts of Casey Keller taking on Alfonso Davies Saturday morning on ESPN+. Plus. Inter-Miami's preseason tour continues in Saudi Arabia, taking on Al Nasser on Thursday. It was supposed to be Messi against Ronaldo, but uh, that's a DNP injured for CR7. Messi would play the last 10 minutes of this game, but Herc, this was all Al Nasser. Their first goal was three minutes into the match, and it was 3-0 by the 12th minute with Aymeric Laporte scored this one. Oh, what a golazo for Laporte. What's he doing in the Saudi league? This, either way, this is a straight golazo. Drake Calendar, back to your home. What's he doing Stay in the in Saudi goal. League? Big bags of cash. That's what he's doing in the Saudi League, collecting. Wasn't he saying, wasn't he one of the guys that wasn't very happy with uh, how things were going over there, Laporte? Messi, uh, as you saw there on the bench, to start subbed on in the 83rd minute, but uh, far too little too late. The final score, 6 nothing as uh, Al Nasser thumps Inter-Miami. You see that shape with the 6 one, the I, I, I saw. Um, I know it's just preseason, man. But this feels like a humiliation, if not just for Inter-Miami, maybe for Major League Soccer as well. You think? I mean, I can sit here and go on a rant like, no, it's preseason. No, these guys are just getting settled in. No, who takes stock into a game like this? Blah, 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 blah. You know who? The rest of the world. They don't have the that context. The internet yeah. doesn't have that context, nor do they care. Because guess what? The Saudi Pro League, they've been on a break for a whole month. That's what mm -hmm. happens with the Asian Cup. They go on a break, so these guys are in their own preseason. And I know it's supposed to be CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo versus Messi. I know everybody wants to talk about the GOATs, the last dance, but what mm -hmm. we got was Saudi Pro versus MLS. And what we found out was Saudi Pro smashed MLS. And the mm -hmm. rest of the world saw that. So you can say mm -hmm. what you want. But this one hurt Major League Soccer. This one hurt Inter-Miami. This one hurt Tata Martino. I saw Tata Martino after a 6-0 game have the nerve to go complain to the referee like this. Are you kidding me? Have mm. some self-respect here. Are you kidding me right now? The rest of the world is watching, and this is the egg that Major League Soccer laid. Whether it's unfair or not, that's what the rest of the world is going to see. What do you think the score would have been if Ronaldo played? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm with you, man. It's not fair to judge Inter-Miami, but you're going to be judged. You know, we said this was going to be one of the most paid attention to MLS games of the whole year. There was a lot of buzz about it, even without Ronaldo playing. And you could just see, especially on social media, it catching fires. It was one, two, three, four, five, six. This is a really bad look for Inter-Miami. It's a really bad look for MLS. Uh, and it's worrisome. Again, we talked about what the issues are going to be for Inter-Miami. If they're going to chase titles, uh, this defense, which we said, oh, you know, on Monday, you lost 4-3 to a Neymarless Al-Hilal, whatever. Take, taking six against a Cristiano well, Ronaldo-less Al-Nasser well, is Seb, much different. Well, you tell me, Seb, because uh, a while ago when these odds came out, you said you would take Inter-Miami. I uh, would. I, I, I would. said I would take the field. You tell me how you feel after this team goes 6-0 against the Saudi Pro League that took a month off. And, and by the way, they've not won a single preseason game. Are you still feeling high and mighty by Inter-Miami? 
They're hardly scoring, but they got some time to figure it out. And I just, if anything I know, I'm a bet on Lionel Messi. And I'm especially going to bet against with on him against Major League Soccer competition. Fair? Fair. That's fine. Very quickly. Very quickly. You know what made this loss even worse? You know what made Mm. it so bad? Messi, Mm. due to precautionary reasons, doesn't even play. He doesn't start. He wasn't even in the first 18 sheet. He wasn't there. That's what was being reported. Contractually, he has Mm -hmm. to play for them to make their money. They had to go down on their knees. Messi, can you please play? To come on (laughs) seven minutes, seven minutes in what is a 20,000-mile preseason tour, seven games across three continents to make that bag. That's what made it look worse. We thought it was going to be the uh, last dance between Messi and Ronaldo. Maybe somewhere down the road, I got a feeling we will get a rematch, right? There's too much money over there in Saudi Arabia. The Miami's not going to find another flight Somebody's uh, when Ronaldo is happy. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And we'll all be very much looking forward to it, as we will League's Cup in 2024. The regions and groups were announced earlier this week. Let's go through them. Uh, all right, let's start in the East, shall we? Because I'm on the East Coast. Uh, East 1, FC Cincinnati, New York City, and Querétaro. East 2, Orlando, San Luis, and Montreal. East 3, Tigres, Puebla, Inter, Miami. Ooh. East 4, Philly, Charlotte, Cruz Azul. East 5, Revs, Nashville, Mazatlan. East 6, Pachuca, Red Bulls, Toronto. East 7, my beloved DC United. In there with your Santos uh, and Atlanta United. What about over in the West? Eight groups in the West, because, uh, you know, there's just more teams in the West. One, Rayados, Pumas, Austin. That could be interesting. This one's very interesting. West, two, we got the Chivas, San Jose, and the Galaxy. So both Chicharito and Cade Cow with the chance to go home. Group three in the West, St. Louis, FC Dallas, Juarez. Group four, Toluca, Kansas City, Chicago, Leon. Who is that? Uh, Rapids in Portland. I can't even read my own handwriting there. And five, six, Seattle, Minnesota, Necaxa. Seven, LAFC, Vancouver, Cholos. Eight, Houston, RSL, and Atlas. Uh, Columbus and Club America get the bye into the round of 32. Now, it's probably worth explaining here before we ask if you are cool with it. Um, all of these rankings, Herc, all of these groups are based on the League's Cup ranking system, which is effectively your last 34 league games, right? Now, based on that, the top four Liga Mekis teams, which are America, Rayados, Chivas, and Tigres, those four have earned hosting rights. They're not going to play in Mexico, but they will, if they advance, have a hosting hub so they won't have to travel as much. Because you'll remember, Rayados and our good buddy Tato Noriega were complaining quite a bit at the League's Cup last year about just how much travel the Mexican teams had to do. So are you cool with it, the new and improved League's Cup format. So you're telling me Tigres, who is a West Coast team per se, I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, will host in the East? Because if not, why would you go West Coast to Miami to limit travel? All right, whatever. Uh, Oh, this is so hard. I go back and forth with this. Because remember, all games are in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, like, how unfair is this for fans? I feel for the fans, the Liga Mekis fans who who in Mexico want to see their team and want to see Messi. They want to see other players in Major League Soccer play in their hometown, play in their stadium, and the travel and what that may do to the possibilities of winning this tournament for certain teams. But then I think to myself, I have to be cool with it because whether it's out of ignorance or necessity that Liga Mekis is bending over this way, and they are, it's to their own doing. It's their own ownership groups. It's their own federation who are doing this. And it upsets me for the fans. 
but they're doing it. It's their doing. Now, as far as how this is ordered, as far as if we can take stock into the draw, there needs to be something done. This isn't a fake trophy. This means something. Maybe not Kinda to you. It feels like it the way they maybe, made this format. Maybe not to me, but you get CONCACAF Champions Cup positioning, which mm. leads you to Club World Cup. If that's the actual format, if that's the actual worth, FIFA seriously needs to look into these, this draw, how it's actually done. Because if they're rewarding you, if they're trying to say the ultimate prize is a FIFA World Cup, then it matters how you get there. It matters who's playing who and how it's fairly drawn. Yeah. Somehow, they managed to make this feel like even less of a real competition. You know, when you're not going down to Mexico, it, it doesn't feel like a real honest-to-goodness competition. So the U.S. teams, as you say, have the advantage over the Mexican teams. But now we've picked these four Mexican teams to give an advantage over all the other Mexican teams. So we're making it even more unfair. I don't know what the aim is here, but it, it makes me appreciate the CONCACAF Champions Cup a whole lot more. Because that now feels like the legitimate test for who truly is the best in this region. I know MLS wants us to think that this is that test, that this is that measuring stick, but it's just not. And I got to say, her, because I know you're about to give us your... Your, your favorite groups, and there are some kind of interesting, sexy matchups here. There's also a whole lot of just meh. A whole lot of like, who's gonna want this? Who wants Juarez against St. Louis? You know what? Who wants Mazatlan against Revs? Who yeah. wants San Luis against Montreal? Who wants the famous Querétaro against FC Cincinnati? Which, guess what? Now we actually get, wasn't it Chelis that said no, that? No, he said Puebla. He said Puebla. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But, respect, but you're respect. right. You know what it is? We're seeing that both leagues. Have both leagues have become leagues of the haves and have nots. Mm -hmm. And if you're not part of the haves, nobody wants to see you. Very few people outside mm -hmm. of your sector, your fan base, want to see you. Yeah. Feels kind of like a uh, glorified exhibition. And it better be good because they're going up against the Olympics, which in this country anyway uh, matters. Not just all ratings, but U.S. women, U.S. men, uh, both there this time around. All right, so let's dive into these groups, Herc. You have uh, been tasked with some homework. You've got to give us your watchability ratings. Watchability. I love the categories Watchability. Here. The categories are skip, meh, if it's on, good watch, and must watch. So let's start. I guess we're starting at the bottom. Yeah, let's start, start at the bottom. Skip. Is that what we're doing? All right. We're going to yes, skip yes. West 3, which is uh, St. Louis, FC Dallas, and Juarez. Listen, with all due respect, with all due respect, excuse me, to these great fan bases, nobody outside your with fan all due respect. base, nobody outside <laughs> your fan base is gonna want to watch you in this tournament. That's a reality. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. saw what FC Dallas was like when there was another team playing there uh, in League's Cup. It, it wasn't that great. There were more Cruz Azul fans to speak. You know, Juarez. What can I say? Uh, you know, sometimes they <laughs> exactly. struggle to fill out their own stadium. <laughs> St. Louis is a great venue, great venue, but I seriously doubt that anybody right. in Mexico gonna is going to want to watch St. Louis and uh, Juarez. Yes. Okay. So let's go to the next one. Meh. Meh. Eh. Eh. I'm going to go with the West 8, and that is Houston, RSL, and Atlas. Now, I know this one hurts you a little bit. I know it does. You got a soft spot for Houston. You got a soft spot I do. for do. Houston, ben RSL, that's an MLS playoff uh, rematch. Yeah. Okay. Um, listen, you told me Ache Ache, Hector Herrera would put butts in the seats. That didn't mm -hmm. happen. Though, the last, though towards the end, the they did get better. I, these are just teams that don't draw well on a national scale, nor international scale. And Atlas, who's 
I can't even begin to tell you the world of problems they are in right now. Their own mm -hmm. fans don't want to watch them, so it, it's unfortunate for them. All right, let's go on to the, if it's on, yeah, I'll, I'll check this out. Okay, I can find a reason to check this out. So we're gonna go with the Portland Timbers, new coach, our boy Neville's there, new coach. Mm -hmm. uh, they just sold the team, I know you're, I know you're happy about that. Let's uh, go. Okay, let's go, uh, Colorado Rapids, let's see what this is about. Let, let, let's see if, if this team uh, has changed and Leon, who are the defending CONCACAF champions. And then, this is a very good watch right here, the LA Galaxy. This isn't number one, wow. Well, I'll tell you this why. This be number one for you. Well, the LA Galaxy, San Jose Earthquakes, that's a rivalry. Mm -hmm. And if you're in, they, they, mm -hmm. they sell out Stanford to watch the Galaxy yep. without the stars. They want to watch Galaxy versus San Jose. Okay, that's a, that's a rivalry right there. And then you got Chivas. Chivas, big, massive brand with Chicharito Hernandez facing off against his old team. And Chicharito Hernandez, who thinks of, in some way of San Jose as a rival because he's gotten to play in that rivalry. Just the, El Morbo, just the storylines here mm -hmm. are, are amazing. Kate Cal coming back to San Jose. Too many storylines, that's a good watch. Let's do it. And then your must watch, I mean, listen, must watch for MLS, must watch for Champions Cup, must watch in this region, is Inter-Miami. And guess guess what? Before I talk about the other juggernaut, let me talk about Puebla. Since El Repechaje, the play-in era in Mexico started, only two teams have made the playoffs every single season. One team is Club America, the current champions. The other team is, believe it or not, Puebla. Mm -hmm. Puebla always finds a way to be competitive. And the other team in this group, Andre Pierre Gignac, Nahuel Guzman, Guido Pizarro, the young blood of Diego Lainez, the young blood of Marcelo Flores, all these stars, the best team over the course of the last 15 years in Liga MX versus Messi and friends. That is must-watch TV. I'm with you. I think the only thing in MLS that's must-watch TV is, is Inter-Miami and Messi. So I, I get why you put them first. Doesn't hurt that two of your other former employers were in that group as well. Uh, in Tigres and Puebla. Let me ask you this. What do you think Chicharito's reception will be when he goes home to the Galaxy, right? Because I think, I think like Cade Cowell going back to San Jose, going back in San Jose, they probably love him there. I wonder how Galaxy feel, fans feel about Chicharito, like how they feel about his four years there. No, I don't think they're negative about his time there. I think they are appreciative for when he did well when he was on the field. I don't think there's that much of a response as you might seem. It's not like a Douglas Costa coming back type of deal. It's not mm -hmm. anything like that. I, I think they'll respond well to Javier Hernandez. There you have it. Uh, Chicharito with a chance to go up against his former team uh, should he be healthy when Chivas and LA Galaxy play in the League's Cup. Air Divizi is available for you right here on ESPN. Plus, big game on Saturday. Ajax taking on PSV. Coverage starts 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch the trio of Americans as well as Chucky Lozano as they take on Ajax.
him the David Beckham of the indoor game, none other than 34-year-old Marco Fabian, a two-time World Cup participant with Mexico in 2014 and 2018. In his career, he's won the Copa Mekis, CONCACAF Champions League, German Cup with Eintracht Frankfurt, Gold Cup with Mexico. Who could forget the Olympic gold medal back in 2012? But this year, he's chasing a different title, the MASL Championship. That's right, the Major Arena Soccer League. As a member of the Empire Strikers out there in California, he now joins us in studio. Marco, welcome into our studio. Is Herc treating you okay out there? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my friend, with this best striker. <laughs> you see that? We'll see, see that, about Sam? that. We'll see about that. Did you pay him, Herc? Did you pay him before this? Uh, you before don't, we you, you don't got to worry about that, but <laughs> okay. worry about dinner's on me. <laughs> so let's get into the story here, Marco. I just went through your whole resume, man. You've done it all at the international level, club level. You're one of the few Mexican players that, you know, went over to Europe and actually won something and something in one of the big five leagues there in Germany with Frankfurt. How did we get to this point? Like, what drew you to the indoor game in the United States and the Empire Strikers? Yes, um, yeah, it's a, a, a new challenge for me, you know? It's like, like you say, like, uh, thanks of God, I have a, a big career. I was in, in of course, in, in, in Europe, for me, it's one of the best ones, it's a little of the, of the soccer. And then with the national team, with Chivas, with Azul, I, I think, um, uh, thanks of God, I, I have a, a, a good career, and now I I received about this offer when I was in Andorra, uh, a short time in Andorra in first division, and, and when I received a call and and they told me about this project and uh, about the MAS League, how is the indoor soccer in, in US, and 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 I like it, I like it, uh, I I just try to come for for try new challenge in my life in my career, just to play a new. I don't know if it's a new sport, but it's a different soccer, uh, and I just want to grow up this league. No, it's 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 a more show, it's more intensity, it's a more fun. I think because the most important in soccer is when when you score, you have a, a lot of opportunities to score goal, and and it's the same language. No, I try to just to do my best, and and, and this team. Uh, I just sang with the Empire Strikers here in, in, in Ontario, California, and and I'm happy to. To, to start to, to, to play in this league and then they just, just continue with the next projects in, in my life. So, so Sevi, I know you're a big MASL guy. You know, I played mm -hmm. for, the, for the San Diego Soccer's Indoor League. So while I was talking to Marco Fabian, he mentioned that not only does he do it on the field, but he will soon do it off the field. Part of this agreement, part of this project, Marco, you were saying, was you get ownership in a future franchise? Yes, uh, it's one one of the things when I when I when I come and I'm happy to do that because I just wanna uh, I put more more on, on the spot this league and and yeah I I, I got my honor the next next year for a new franchise and uh, with the 50 percent so so we will see I don't know where where exactly we we talking about in, in which city we. We, we take it, but I'm, I'm happy to, to also form part of, of, of this thing and, and still be, be a player. <laughs> he's still, he's a bit of an agent too, right? So you're going to be owner eventually. You're a player now. You also brought your boy uh, Miguel Ponce along for the ride yeah. too, right? How's that working out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Miguel Ponce is a, a good friend of mine. I, I was, uh, we, we worked, uh, played together in Chivas in the national team. And, and when I just talked with him and I, I just, uh, talk about the, the league and, and, and everything. I invite him and I say, of course, he have a good player and, and he can come and he have fun and also he can help our team. And, and yeah, he says yes, he try and, and now 
last game, he scored first goal, and I think he he feels better. And and of course we we wanna because one of the things when I come also like okay, have fun, it's different, but. I want to just make a history, you know, even if it's another uh, different soccer, but I want to be a champion also in this in this, in this uh, league, no? I, I'm curious, Marco, how you and uh, Ponce, Miguel Ponce are treated, because we're talking about guys that have won an Olympic medal, have been in multiple World Cups. Like, the players must see you in a different light. What's been, what's been the banter like with your teammates? What's that been like? Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, like Miguel also was with me and then, national team and Olympic game and and one of the best part is also uh, the, the experience we, we can share with the with teammates with the with the other players the league because I have opportunity also to spoke with the with the other guys even if it's a different team and and I think we can get a more uh, even if it's not soccer big players but even a good quality I, I think the the league is grow up more more faster no I it's it's hard to say maybe some years stay on the same level like NBA or, or something like this but but I think uh, for for the people if they they like this this type of, of soccer they they can uh, have fun every every single game so for me I really be we, I, I really am happy to be here and, and also Miguel is here and I just talking with some some different players maybe we will see oh, after and next okay. year so so yeah we, we tried that. Uh, Herc, I don't know if you remember your stats from your indoor days. They probably weren't as good as this. Our guys averaging 2.6 <laughs> points per game. That's third best in the MASL and our sources <laughs> tell us he's one of the front runners for player of the month. So I know it's an adjustment. You said maybe it's a different sport. Maybe it's a new version of an old sport. But my man doesn't seem to be, you know, having any trouble with the adjustment to life in the United <laughs> States uh, or the indoor game. Uh, Marco, while we got you here, we got to talk about Chivas, man. I know it's a club that's really near and dear to your heart, right? You joined that academy when you were, what, eight, nine, ten years old? You were a kid. So what do you think of kind of the current state of the team and specifically Chicharito coming back? Because we were all watching the other weekend. I mean, it was incredible. A stadium full of people yeah. and they weren't even playing a game. <laughs> I know, I know. It's incredible. Yeah, like you say, Chivas is... It's, it's in my heart, no? It's part of my house. It's, I I born there with seven, eight years. I just started to, to play in Chivas uh, until 23 years when I just um, go to Europe. And and about uh, uh, Chicharito, uh, we, we were together, no? Like we started to play together with seven, eight years. I know him very well. He's one of them, my best friends. and. And I'm happy to to see what I already see when when we here back. It's, I think the dream with with every single player we won in, in, in some club. When you return uh, before you 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 finish your career like this, I think it's a dream, no? And I think for Chicharito is one of the best days. And 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 I'm happy to see how how the people receive us. Some legend for me, it's a legend because nobody can do like Chicharito did already in, in Europe and his career, no? So I just, uh, uh, I, I talk already with him and I just say, just enjoy this moment because it's, it's part of the, or your life is, uh, and and I just give my best and, and I like, like I'd say, uh, I think he's uh, a really good, good striker, so he helps Chivas right now very well. So I hope we, we, can, we can see Chicharito play soon.
So, Seb, you know out here at, in L.A., I never see producer Beto before the show. Producer uh -huh. Beto was here with the Chivas jersey waiting for Marco <laughs> Fabian. Cannot wait to get that signed. We got a legend in the house. So, from a Chivas legend, I have to ask you about Kate Cowell, Marco. How does it feel to see Chivas evolving with, with the way they do things with players now? And, and one of their players, the new signee, is a U.S. men's national team player in Kate Cowell. What are your thoughts on the new signing I think I, I mean yeah it's like uh, all, all the time uh, all the people say like it's only Mexican 100% Mexican everywhere but he's like a part of Mexican or uh, his family whatever but even if he doesn't speak Spanish or something like that that like this even if he play good and he have some blood, Mexican blood. Uh, uh, for me, for me, it's okay. You know, for me, it doesn't matter. Like, when it's it's different when you when you when you play like a foreigner foreigner player and 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 use the um, go to be a Mexican. That's a different. But like a natural. Yeah, player. like natural. Yeah, yes. like this. So for him, I think he's a good player. I already, I already see it. Oh yeah, last, yeah, in the last game, and I like it. I like it. I think he has a good intensity. He is strong. He is faster. So I think he he, he can help Chivas very well. So uh, yeah, for me, for me, it's okay. You know. <laughs> Do you think this version of Chivas Marco can compete for the Liga MX title? Sorry. Do you think this version of Chivas can compete for the Liga MX title this season? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now with Chicharito, we will see uh, how he can help with, with Carl. With the, uh, I saw this last game, and I think he can compete. He can compete. It's like I say, Chivas is a bigger team, and always they 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 have a responsibility to to be in the first minimum, the first five plays you know, on the on the in, in the in the league. So I think they can compete. Of course, we have. We, we see a big bigger team like like Tigers, like Monterrey, like America, uh, with uh, new players. But I think Chivas they can compete for for the championship. For the championship. I just want I just want you to note there, Sebi said uh, Monterrey and Tigres before <laughs> America. Uh, uh -huh. Really yeah, I quickly, heard. I heard. Americanista. Uh, really, really quickly. Uh, Leagues Cup. We got to talk about Leagues Cup. You mentioned Chivas. Yeah. Chivas is with San Jose in the Galaxy. It's a very interesting group. Your overall thoughts of Leagues Cup. Do you like this tournament, Major League Soccer versus Liga Mekis? Do you like the way it's formatted? All the games in the United States, no games in Mexico. Uh, give me your thoughts of this tournament. Yeah, I like the tournament. I like the tournament because always every everyone everyone talks about like uh, the question, no? the big question, which 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 league is better now right now. Uh, everybody knows the the, the MLS. Oh, they were in the last years incredible, and they have a really good players. Now we can see uh, Miami, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and every every single game. Um, uh, I, I have a opportunity to play in, in Philadelphia Union uh, some years ago. So I know the league, and, and I like this this type of tournament because you can you can show up and you can play against uh, teams from Mexico. The only thing is like. Okay, I, I don't know the uh, who who made it. No, I think it's more for because it's very in U.S. But I don't know if the next Lex Cup they can just 
share, no, like they can play in Mexico and they can play in US because they say the Mexican team say, no, like the last league cups, like they can still like um, some month in US and it's, it's different yeah, it's for the players difficult. to US, right? Like they have, they live here, they have a family, have more fun, and the Mexican teams they can come and they can just fly and they stay uh, away for his family. So, so I think that is different, but for the leagues, for me, it's, it's, it's really good. Marco, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about the Mexican national team. You know, I think back to your era, 2011 Gold Cup, just an amazing ending there beating the United States, 2012 Olympics, 2014 and 18 World Cups. You get to the knockout rounds, as is kind of expected for the Mexican national team. The national team seems to be in a very different place now. No longer the top dog uh, in CONCACAF, just coming off the worst World Cup in 40-plus years. What do you think's happened to the Mexican national team? Well, uh, it's a um, difficult question. What happened? No, everyone wants to to know the answer. I think um, we are in this tra transition. The the players, no, the 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 age. I think like the we are like a players like we played in last 10, 15 years with the national team like 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 Memochoa, Guardado, Chicharito, Vela and me. It's like everyone like the same age. And now is this transition from transition from the, the new the the young players. No some not young players like 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 Chucky Lozano or like Raul Jimenez is like like me, but like uh, Alexis Vega, like some Edson some young players, yeah, Edson Alvarez, and and I think they they gotta they gotta this get a, this process, no? Uh, every national team they have uh, this uh, process and be a patience and just work, just work. They gotta know what is responsibility to represent the whole country, and but I think they they have a really good players, they have really good uh, quality and 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 everyone they gotta give give out this confidence no with the with the coaches with the players and just support them for the next two years and uh, we believe in in the next world cup we can do something different what about from you know a higher level if i'm thinking about the players from your age group or even past you know salcido aron galindo there was like it just seemed like there were so many more mexican players abroad in europe it seems like the pipeline is drying up. You look at the results, mm. the under-20 uh, Mexican national team doesn't make the World Cup. They don't make the Olympics. The women uh, in, in Monterrey, the CONCACAFW tournament, they don't even score a goal. They don't qualify for the World Cup. What's going on at a federational level where we can't see the results at the grassroots level up? Yeah, I, I think... These results is not not just about the the players. It's like you say, you no. Know, it's it's this big process, but it's behind everything, you no. Know, about the 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 people who is the uh, on the federation, the federation, uh, the organization, the the people who are there, they aren't there. I think they have to be more thinking about more the, uh, about the players, no. Like support more, like like uh, more work and more more facilities to to have a time for for work or or just just believe it a little bit more no it's i think sometimes it's they think about more uh, business and and not that really like soccer no like the about the friendly games about the a lot of different things no it's it's part of the of 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 the percent of what happened no and another part of course is the players now the players they have to be more 
uh, thinking about what what they represent about the country, you no, know? about the. Of course, in Mexico we have a really good quality, and we we cannot suffer to be in the World Cup or the Olympics Games or or the ones that. So I think I think it's something like this. It's not the 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 responsibility is about everything, you no. Know? All right, there he is, Marco Fabian. I tell you what, there's been a lot of big names in the MASL. We've had Landon Donovan, we had Jermaine Jones, we had Dwayne DiRosario. At one point, we had Hercules Gomez. I don't know if any of them put up numbers like you have so far, Marco. Bofo Bautista, no? Bofo Bautista, too. I mean, Bofo, Blas Perez is there now, man. It's it's, it's an incredible league, man. There we go. All right, Marco, thanks so much for the time, man, and continued success with the Empire Strikers there in the MASL. Catch up this Sunday, about... right? This Sunday against uh, Monterrey. Yeah, Flash. this Sunday and Toyota Arena in Ontario uh, against Flash Monterrey. So I invite all the people to, to see this show. <laughs> there we have it. All right. So here's a look at the uh, Empire Strikers schedule. Next chance to see uh, Marco Fabian and company then against Monterrey Flash on February 4th. To the National Women's Soccer League, Asisat Ochwala is coming to the league. AFC to be precise, the Nigerian international is widely considered one of the best attacking players in the world, making the move over from Barcelona, where she won four straight league titles to go along with two Champions League titles. The 29-year-old has a contract through 2026 with an option for 2027. And here she is earlier today talking to Jay Harris about the big move on SportsCenter. I mean, I would say like the the fact that the team is just uh, new in the league and I really love the project that team presented to me. You know, um, it's really just good to to start from something different, to feel a different uh, thing in your career again. I have to be honest, I would say like um, the style of football is completely different. Uh, but of course, I'm a person who's actually moved um, different places. And, uh, and with my national team, I feel like uh, it's something different as well. You know, it's not what you see every day. But to be honest, the coach actually wants to play a different style of football from what uh, everyone knows the NWSL for. I think that was one of the things that actually caught my attention. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm quite fast. Uh, I love to finish around the box. And I try to put pressure on defenders and all of that. You know, I try to... Uh, make sure my energy is 100% in every game and all that. So I feel like uh, this is uh, something the team, the team will actually need to. Okay, Eric, we've had some big signings this offseason in the NWSL. Where does this one fit? Is it the biggest? I mean, this season as of yet? Yes. We're not talking. This is the thing. And I've been here in L.A. with LAFC for quite some time. And the biggest signing for LAFC was Christian Press, right? Still waiting. Angel for City. Angel oh, City. Sorry, what did yes. I say? LAFC. Uh, we apologies. Knew Angel City. I've been here with Angel City. And the biggest signing uh, in that moment was Christian Press in her home, right? Massive signing. Still waiting. But on the field, you have yet to see a player, a world-class elite player of that level. Mm-hmm. And Bay FC, without even stepping on the field, already has one. You're talking about a player that in five years won 13 trophies in a legendary setup like Barcelona. That women's mm-hmm. team that captivated the world for that time. Over 100 goals in that span. And you get her on almost what you almost consider a free transfer. I mean, she's free in the summer, so that transfer fee, the undisclosed transfer fee, couldn't have cost you much. For two right. years, she's 29 years old. With an option of a third, you're going to get her still in her prime. This is a home run. They knocked it out the park with this. This is a great signing, so that benefits the league. I love what she said in that hit right there, where she speaks about the way the team wants to play, something that's not very much seen in the NWSL. 
I think they knocked it out of the park with this one. Absolutely. It was on Sports Center. That's how that's how big of a freaking deal it was. It was on Sports Center. When was the last time you saw some soccer breaking news uh, go down like that? That was pretty impressive. I think the, the Gotham FC signings, right? If you combined like all four of them, you might be able to argue that that, that offseason compares to this signing, but just if you go off the player, man, this is the best player in a long time, I think, that has been brought into the league. It's a massive moment for Bay FC. They've got their cornerstone player, which, as you point out, you absolutely need from an expansion standpoint. And I think at a time when we were starting to question what this league was, right, would it be a league that was going to lose some of its stars to Europe? I think we're seeing something very promising not only is NWSL keeping its stars, the case of Mallory Swanson, we just saw get that big deal with Chicago Red Stars, but now they're actually going over to Europe and poaching some of the key players from over there. This player comes from Barcelona. Remember, Washington Spirit just brought the coach over yeah. from Barcelona. So uh, Barcelona is right now considered the height of the women's game globally, and the NWSL is rating it. Um, so I, I think this is big news for the NWSL. And, and at a time when I think the league might have been taking a step back behind Europe. This is uh, this is really good news. All right, let's get to something that grabbed some headlines earlier today when it hit the social media websites, at least. And that's the comments of U.S. Women's National Team Captain Lindsey Horan in an article by Meg Linehan in The Athletic. Quote, American soccer fans, most of them aren't smart. They don't know the game. They don't understand. But it is getting better and better. There's a lot more to the quote, but we'll just give you the hottest part of it. Uh, feels like some shots fired there from the U.S. Women's National Team captain. Herc, were they warranted? Yes, but at who, right? Um, are the shots fired at the general public? Now, this almost sounds a bit arrogant, right? American uh, soccer fans, most of them aren't smart. Yes, that yes. is at the American public. Well, yes. Well, hold correct. on, because there's context to this, right? So, mm -hmm. Lindsey Horan, like, this comes off a little arrogant, and arrogance is fine if you're a winner. But mm -hmm. the general public doesn't like to see an arrogant loser. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. Women's National Team after this World Cup, their worst World Cup that they've been in, come off as losers. So they have to keep that into perspective. But what Lindsay's saying here, and what I want to get to is, she's right in the sense that the majority of fans tune in every four years in a World Cup. And those are casuals. Mm -hmm. Those are fans that don't pay too much attention to the team, too much attention to to how the team plays or how it needs to play. Because in that same article, brilliantly written by Meg, uh, they talk about, she says, we've been so successful for so long in a certain way that we play. That attack in transition, we had individual brilliance, talking about how they need to change things. Uh, and in her life in France, from what I've heard, the people here understand the game a little bit more, a sense of football, the way I play, the French culture, everyone watches football, people know football. It's not part of the everyday culture here. I think that's what she's trying to get to, about the mm. understanding of mm. the game, of taking things not just from what somebody is saying about it, but understanding the game yourself. It sounds terrible. It right. sounds like a shot at the general public. It sounds like a shot at her fans. I think it's a shot of all the casuals who turned into the World Cup and were complaining about the U.S. women's national team and mm -hmm. not really understanding the problems. I will defend her there, but I'll repeat it. If they had won and she had said this, nobody would say mm -hmm. anything. Nobody, you know what? nobody cares about an arrogant, about a, you know, what an arrogant winner an arrogant says. Winner. They care about right. the arrogant loser. You know why I disagree with you? Because the specific example she gave could not have been from the World Cup. Later on in kind of the similar quote, she says that basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, people just take what the commentators say for, for as if it's the truth. 
right? And she points out our own former colleague, Julie Foudy. She says, my mom says, Julie Foudy said you had such a good game. And I'm here like I was, you know, blankety blank today. Julie Foudy didn't call World Cup games, right? Julie Foudy's been on ESPN. She's been on Turner. Guess who doesn't have World Cup rights? So she's very specifically kind of pointing the finger, one, at the fans for not knowing, and then two, at the media for not knowing. And this seems so out of character for Lindsey Horan. So Does I, I think- for, for me, the question is like, well, why would you, why would you say this, right? Wh wh where is this coming from? What are you responding to? What are you reacting to? If you read the article, and you absolutely should, the kind of paragraphs that lead into this quote are effectively about the criticism and the tension and the pressure around the team, very specifically in the World Cup, while, as you say, they were, they were not succeeding. So when you, you take a shot at the media and you take a shot at the fans, I think you're kind of undercutting what the general consensus is among the fans. And the general consensus among fans, Herc, is this team was really bad at the World Cup. And furthermore, that this team is in jeopardy of, if it hasn't already, losing its spot atop the mountain in women's football. And I hope that Lindsey Horan and the players on this team also feel that way, because I think that's the truth. If she's pushing back against that, which is what fans and most media that I talk to believe, then she's in the wrong. And just taking shots at fans, it's unnecessary, it's unbecoming of the captain, and especially as the captain of the national team, I think you really gotta watch your words. Saying American fans, most of them aren't smart. There was like a million other ways there are. that you could have made it, it was, that it point. It was poorly said. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's where she meant to take it, but in the same article you talk about, and I think you're trying to say the player's taking responsibility. She mentions her conversations with Emma Hayes about trying to play a different game. She literally references the Portuguese national team and how they play tactically and how she thinks the U.S. women's national team can play. So there's a bit of acceptance from the players there. But this part of being a captain, right? So yep. I'll give yep. her a pass there, but it was very poorly said for sure. There we have it. Uh, Lindsey Horan then with some shots fired at the uh, American fan base and the American media. Let's run it back here. Mia Fischel, part of the uh, U.S. women's national team pool, playing over Chelsea and Emma Hayes in the Champions League. She got her first Champions League goal in a 4-0 win over Paris FC here. Her. All right, Big Fish. Uh, Chelsea go undefeated uh, in group phase. That's four wins, two draws. Fischel right there. Fish with the first goal. Her first and so far only Champions League goal. Congratulations. There you go. It's uh, Chelsea finishing uh, atop of the group as uh, Mia Fischel on the European score sheet. Elsewhere in the Champions League, Lily Johannes, remember the name, she's 16 years old. She's actually from Northern Virginia, shout out DMB. An American playing for Ajax, she had an assist for Ajax against Roma in a 2-1 win as Ajax finished second in the group to advance. Yeah, she's been there since like the U11s. They actually play with boys at that age group, it's mixed. And I read in The Guardian that after her Champions League, uh, champ, excuse me, after this debut, she said that nobody from U.S. soccer has contacted her in the last mm -hmm. year for youth national teams. The Dutch senior national team managers come out and said that she's leaning towards representing Netherlands. Ooh, a little dual mat controversy on the uh, women's side. We would love that. Big game, March 16th, Kansas City Current, Portland Thorns, regular season opener in the NWSL, and it's on ABC and ESPN Deportes. Coverage starts 1 p.m. Eastern time. This is Jose Bautista. Bautista drives it deep left field. Goal! 
next guest here on Football Americas is Jose Bautista. But if you follow baseball, you know him as Joey Bats. Played 15 years in the big leagues, a six-time All-Star, known for his home runs and his bat flips, and now known as the owner of the Las Vegas Lights. Welcome to the soccer community. Welcome to Football Americas, Jose. Great to have you. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, so we got to dig in on the details here because I want to give you some credit, right? We have a lot of, of owners come on this show and they buy, you know, 1%, 2%. They get a little stake and then they get the FaceTime. You are the, as I'm reading this, correct me if I'm wrong, the primary investor here. You went all in. So what's the story over there, man? What convinced you to go all in right now on soccer? Listen, I've been looking at soccer for a long time. Uh, it's part of my passion, the business of sport. And, and I was looking at different ways to get involved in, in one sports league. And after, you know, just studying it and understanding, you know, what was the best fit for me and my family as an investment, uh, the USL was the first league that popped up. And I was like, this is the right fit. You know, it's on a great growth uh, trajectory. I think it's got a lot of tailwinds coming. And, you know, it's, it's, it's at the right spot where you're in some great markets and you have a great captive audience. And, and I can't wait for this uh, league to continue to grow and then accomplish uh, uh, what it can. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing in the next five to ten years. Jose, but why, why soccer? Do you have any prior experience with the game or what drew you to the sport of soccer besides just the business model? I've always loved soccer as a fan, right? It's a sport that I felt... It, you know, in order to succeed and excel, you needed a, a set of capabilities and skill that I didn't have. So I admire soccer players just like I do football players and basketball players because they do stuff on their on the pitch, on their in their field every single day in a way that that I can't. Uh, so for that, I admire them, and I'm sure it's similar with athletes in other sports with baseball players. So um, you know, it's a world sport. It's got a it's got a great history, and who doesn't love a, a great uh, game of soccer or, or football? So um, I'm a big fan, and that's what, where my initial love for the sport came from, just as a fan. I'm curious about your kind of specific interest in the USL, right? Because even once you decide to invest in soccer, there's a million, I mean, almost literally a million options to do that in Europe alone. There's other options here, whether it be the women's game or Major League Soccer or whatever. So what about the USL model, Drew Yin? In my opinion, it's one of the best position leagues with all the different levels that they have with Championship League 1, League 2, and then the women's side. And I also feel like it's uh, it's got the, the right amount of um, economic factors as a league and liberties and freedoms as an owner. You can put the best team that you can and want to uh, on the pitch whenever, whenever you feel like it. There's really not that many restrictions. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're operating the business in the right way and uh, you're generating enough revenue that allow you to do these kind of things. So that's what we have to focus on first and making sure we, we kind of turn the tide and, and get things rolling. But um, it's not like some other leagues that have maybe some other restrictions. So it's, uh, it's pretty unique uh, in its own self that, you know, you have all the different levels. Who knows what the future may, may entail for the USL as far as promotion, relegation, and, and where it stands against MLS. It's too early to tell, I think, uh, but it, it, it creates a good position for itself uh, when it, you talk about the whole worldwide landscape of, uh, of the soccer world. All right, Jose, I, I got to know, I mean, why Vegas? I mean, you look at sports, and, and I'm from Vegas. If you would have told me Vegas would have had this many teams about a decade ago, I would have told you you're crazy. Mm. Vegas is all of a sudden like a sports hotbed, but why do you want to take this in Vegas? 
Well, as you guys know, when sports ownerships uh, are for sale, you know, or you want to get into the sports ownership of, of sports, um, it's you can't pick and choose. I just kind of I feel like I got lucky with this one. It's a great market. Uh, Vegas has done a lot in the last few years, to your point, to get professional sports in there after the taboo with the betting and everything else has kind of been put aside. Um, you know, it's it's one of the gr fastest growing and hottest North American uh, sports market. And this um, this team is, is lucky to be in Vegas. Now we have to, you know, get the fans to fall in love with the team again and just foster that relationship and develop it and do what we can to put a winner on the field. So so we can create a team and a franchise that Las Vegas, um, Las Vegans can be proud of uh, and just proudly say that we're their hometown team. So that's what I'm going to be focused on. Uh, Jose, you mentioned that it's a great market. You're not the only ones that know that. We've seen Major League Soccer linked with expansion to Las Vegas. Uh, we, we know the story of San Diego. We saw what just happened there. There was a USL team there. MLS comes in. There's now no longer a USL team. Does that worry you at all, the, the potential of MLS moving into town? You know, those are conditions that you kind of study and evaluate as you're looking at the investment. And at the end of the day, you know, who knows if that does happen and when. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think right now what I'm trying to do is make the Las Vegas Lights the best franchise it can be, have some great uh, community, uh, positive community impact, and just, um, again, be the, the team that the, the people from Las Vegas can proudly say that uh, is their soccer team. Jose, you said something earlier that really stuck with me. You said you wanted the fans to fall back in love with the Las Vegas Lights. Mm. I'm very interested. What's your role going to be and how exactly are you going to do that? Because the fans in the last few seasons may have thought that the investment wasn't there. What are you going to do? We're going to try to win. I think everything happens and starts with winning and by putting a great team on the pitch. And it starts with uh, the leadership, which I'm going to be a part of moving forward in my role without trying to <clears throat> step away or outside of my role. So I'm going to try to put the best team of executives together that can just lead the franchise in the right way. And now on the sporting side, you know, we have a great uh, new sporting director, uh, Jan Neglia, and we have a great new um, head coach with Dennis Sanchez, and they're going to lead the way on the pitch. And I have uh, my full trust on those guys. They've really impressed me with their capabilities, and, and hopefully they, I give them enough resources, and I, I do my part, and then uh, they can go out and execute on, on behalf of the club. I wonder about your expectations for next season. You know, obviously it was a it was a tough season a year ago, last place in the Western Conference. And then, you know, I always think of the of this kind of famous owner. One of the responsibilities, one of the things you can do is is you can kind of reach out, right? You got some names in your in your phone. Uh, are you going to help with recruiting? Are you going to are you going to try and make maybe some of these pitches to to get a big name in Vegas? Of course, whatever's needed, right? I'm going to try to make this thing go, and this is something that I'm I'm proud of being the owner. Uh, up. So I know that it's going to take me rolling up the sleeves and getting my hands dirty and just going in there and, and doing whatever I can to make this go. So um, when I need to, if I, I'll do that, you know, whatever, you know, player that I need to talk to agent. Uh, and even when I'm trying to recruit coaches, obviously I'm, I'm leading the way right now. Uh, I just bought the team recently, so I haven't been able to fully step up, but all those things uh, are in motion and uh, hopefully they'll start, uh, yielding dividends uh, sooner rather than later. You spoke about acquiring uh, professional teams. Obviously, you have a portfolio with other professional teams. I'm curious because this is really the only sport where there's promotion relegation. 
Does that scare you a bit? The, 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 the thought of buying an ownership or being an owner, excuse me, buying a team and potentially losing that on the field. What are your thoughts on ProRail? You know, um, I think it's it's palatable. Uh, if, if, if you have a good business model and, and you're a winner and you're you're really into this to win championships on a year over year basis, you, you probably will not be too scared of it, especially if your market can support a good revenue model. So uh, we're lucky to have a lot of those elements. Um, so without you know putting anything on on on, uh, on paper, uh, I think I, I'd be you know curious about that for sure. So it's uh, something that is not an easy decision, but it's not a thing too that I'm completely opposed to when it first gets um, brought up now. We all know that that doesn't exist right now in any other North American leagues. So we'll see what the future holds. Um, but it's an interesting concept. And I'm a winner. I'm in this to win. And I'll, I used to bet on myself as a player. And I'm going to try to do the same as an owner. So I know my effort's going to be into the winning part. It'll make it more exciting and more nerve-wracking. But um, who knows? We'll see what happens. Jose, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview that baseball fans know you for your bat flip. Now, I remember at the time, there was like a lot of controversy around you doing that. Was it disrespectful or not? Now we see it all the time in MLB games. I wonder what you think is kind of the bat flip of soccer. And if the Las Vegas lights are going to do some, some trash talking, going to do some entertaining as well. Because winning is important. But in Las Vegas, you know, you got to put on a show. Yeah, no, listen, I, I don't know about the trash talking part, but I, I do hope my guys celebrate whenever whenever they want to. And because that means they're scoring goals, right? So whether it's the hue or, you know, the sliding, uh, the knee slide, um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see those guys celebrate. So um, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. And, you know, the bat flips now have become the, the celebration, like a touchdown uh, celebration or a dunk celebration. So. I'm glad that uh, people are more acceptable of them now, and uh, it's it's a good interaction with the fans. I can see it now at the corner flag at the USL opener. Somebody somebody scores a goal, and there they go. They're just flipping the bat, <laughs> giving you a shout-out. There he is, uh, Jose Bautista. Great to have you here on Football Americas. Thanks so much for joining us, and good luck this season with the Las Vegas Lights. Gracias, muchacho. Thank you. All right, Herc, time for our parting shot here on Football Americas. It's a Tuesday night fight. This from after the game between Cruz Azul and Cholos in Liga Mekis. That's Ivan Alonso, the manager for Cruz Azul, having a go at Piojo Herrera, former Mexican national team manager, now in charge of Cholos. This stemmed from some comments that uh, Piojo Herrera made in an interview earlier in the week, taking shots at Alonso. The uh, suspension just came down. Herc, Ivan Alonso is getting a month off for this. A month? for Ivan Alonso and uh, well there's an economic hit for El Piojo Herrera Miguel Herrera there he's going to get fined some money um, it's unfortunate right because mm -hmm. I love to sit here and, and have the rest of the world see how much of a, an entertaining and attractive league Liga Mekis can be but when news comes out it's usually something like this it's mm -hmm. a fighter it's something like this and it's very unfortunate and these are two people who should know better one is a sporting director and the other one is one of the most prominent head coaches, ex-national team coach of the Mexican national team. So it, it really is unfortunate. Now, what I will say, I don't mind that I, I don't mind the justice that was laid out. Ivan mm -hmm. Alonso sh shouldn't have done that, should never put your hands on anybody. But Miguel Herrera has gotten in trouble many a times mm -hmm. for having a big mouth. You can and, say it. He was asking for it. And he was asking for it. 
But what he was asking for was none of his business. It's a situation where Ivan Alonso was accused of corruption by another Liga Mekis owner. And without any proof, Miguel Herrera goes and regurgitates the same thing. So I could see why Ivan Alonso is upset. And Miguel Herrera, this isn't the first time. This isn't the first time he can't keep his mouth shut and gets himself in trouble. This time, he was lucky. It's unfortunate. Yep. Uh, shouldn't have done it, Pio Herrera, but we uh, we can't be surprised. Uh, I think I said Alonso was the uh, manager. I think you corrected me, though. He is the uh, sporting director there at Cruz Azul. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the show. We will be back on oh, Monday, efforting a, uh, a minute or two with our good friend and colleague Jeff Carlisle. Get caught up on all the latest moves out of Major League Soccer and then recap the weekend abroad. Zoom in on Herc's shirt. Why Did don't we? That? It's uh, could... Matt Miazga and Diego Linus for those of you. Uh, on the podcast. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. It's me and Seb. Guess which one I am. <laughs> <laughs>